0: Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. Buffs coming off a tough, tough 10-7 loss in Denver to Texas A&M. We'll break down that game, preview Minnesota coming up next week in Boulder. I'm Tyler Walgie, Jared All to my right. Jared, how are you?
1: Feeling okay. It took a couple of days to recover from that one.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny. I talked to because you spe- I like to go to Facebook, Twitter, uh, social media after the games to see how everyone's feeling. What's the What's the <laughs> the feeling amongst Buffs Nation? Happy, sad? Are we? Because look, I mean, even the UNC game, there's reasons to be happy, reasons to expect more. Texas A&M games, uh, game, reasons to be happy, reasons to expect more. So it's kind of funny to see the divide. And I talked to Jared. Uh, was it Sunday morning, Saturday night? When was it was, was Saturday it? night. I think it Saturday was before night. the end of the night. And Jared said that he had to talk his brother, another big CU fan, off a ledge, who apparently
1: wanted the whole staff fired. Yeah, he was. And- I think that's funny how, how there's so many different at, at people. At one point, the statement came out of his mouth, well, through text, of course, out of his fingers, <laughs> uh, The CU is the Vanderbilt of the Pac-12. I'm oh, like, oh, okay, no. yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not listening to you. Who, oh, by the way, Vanderbilt beat CSU this, uh, this big, weekend. Big so that's win by funny. Vandy. <laughs>
0: no, but look, yeah, we, I know your brother. He's, uh, he's a little emotional, and he loves his buffs. And, and that's the thing is, for those who are upset, for those who are pissed and expecting more and all that, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong because as a fan, as a fan base, nothing wrong with having expectations at all. And that's fine. Uh, and if you're one of those fans who's saying, you know what? See, you just hosted the number five team in the nation, held them to 10 points. We could have won that thing. Let's not be all down. This is still, you know, there's still positives in Boulder. I'm not going to argue with them either. Now, I, I, I usually hate my, my days of radio taught me not to come in and say, you know, I'm right in the middle with this. But I unfortunately find myself right in the middle with this. I'm not too happy. I'm not so upset.
1: I think we saw a little bit of everything this weekend. I think there's nothing wrong with the idea that I am very upset in the way CU lost that game. They they had that game in their grasp, and they let it slip away. They didn't make the plays when they needed to. That stings. It hurts. But I am very happy with the fact that CU had a top five team against the ropes and really... Proved that they belong in on a field with that team. That's a big thing to prove to this
0: fan base, I think. And, and that's the thing. I mean, that's why I think that it's not all bad is because if you would have said last week, you know, when we were previewing this game, we were cautious. We, It's Texas a and A lot of ex- expectations this year. And if I would have said to you seven days ago, okay, I can promise you I have a fortune teller. who
1: Okay. I can tell the future. This is actually what Tyler does on the side. So if anyone wants to, (laughs) it is. Uh, And
0: I said, okay, buffs, they're going to lose, but only by three points. I think we all would have been like, Hey, okay. I mean, we prefer a win, but I'll take it. But it's the way it happens, right? It's not just the end product. It's the way things go. So, like I said, a lot to get into today. Producer Ryan, how you feeling? How you
2: doing today? I'm doing well. You know, uh, just like Jared, it took me a couple days. Uh, finally have my voice back. I was uh, a little squeaky there the day after. <laughs> got a little wild. But when you're playing the number five team, man, you got to bring the heat. I, my voice still is a little... I, I'm, I'm still a, like I'm a recovering little, a little bit well, today. Yeah, and, I'm a little and, raspy. And me too. We've
1: mentioned in the past, Ryan and I, we share season tickets. So, we're sitting next to each other. And I don't know about you, Tyler, and the section you were in, but... This was supposed to be a CU section. Yeah. It was not a CU section. This was okay. an A&M section that we were in. So we were among the few w- CU fans where, there. Were you behind the
0: CU sideline? Yeah, yeah, we were behind See, the CU sideline. Because I was in 110, which was the corner, uh, first level corner end zone opposite of where CU ran out. Yeah, so,
2: we were right above you. Okay. And our our section was good. I thought there were a lot yeah. of CU fans. Well, it was it was weird because the section directly to the right of us was all CU.
0: Well, hold on. Yeah, no, no, exactly. I mean, I want to be careful here though, Jared. I I don't think I want to do some slant towards CU fans. I think the the Boulder ticket office reported selling around 45,000 yeah, tickets I was for actually CU. very
1: pleasantly surprised at that. Yeah. I, I had said previously on the show I thought you might see a 70-30 for mm-hmm. A&M, and I don't yeah. think it was there. Well, I mean, it,
0: it, Mile High's a big stadium, too. Yeah. And who, who blames him wanting to get out of College Station come to Colorado? Oh, no joke. You know, so it Well, it was, plus uh,
1: half of Colorado is occupied <laughs> by Texas. <laughs> right.
0: But I do want to say this, too. Of all the fan bases who come and occupy either, you know, it's Boulder or Denver, I had a good experience. Yeah, people absolutely. who I met, people who I talked 100%. to. It wasn't like Nebra- Nebraska fans. Everyone are, was great. Yeah, exactly. You know, N- Nebraska rolls in here. You know, they they have a team who can't even compete with AM. And can you imagine how insufferable Nebraska fans would be if they were a top five team, right? Oh, yeah. It, 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 those are horrible fans. So, so it's nice to see the juxtaposition of a, a good, classy, decent fan base coming in. You know what it is? It's the Southern draw. <laughs>
1: it just it. gets me every Dude, it's, time.
2: You're, you're not wrong. It's the Southern charm. <laughs> it's like Jared. You it feel for, like they're, they're going to hand you some sweet tea? A lot like, of things with Jared, it's his beard. It just goes
0: <laughs> past. The beard transcends so much. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's
1: literally, I don't know if I could even like make it in life without this beard at this point. <laughs> it's become me. <laughs> All
0: right, so let's uh, break down this game a little bit. Uh, CU took a 7-3 lead into halftime, and... We don't usually start special teams, but I'm going to start special teams because the one consistent thing, or one of the few consistent things, I kept hearing out of camp. Oh, this freshman kicker, man. Ice in his veins. He's only missed. I think Durrell said he only missed once, and this was like the last week of fall camp. He's missed once. Ice water in his veins. I tell you what, man. And... Uh, I guess that's just in practice, because he's come out and looked horrible so far this year. I mean, let, let's be careful. He's a freshman, but... has got two we, attempts. We have a, a kicker on the roster... Right. Right by him, right on the bench, right there, who's proven he not only has accuracy, but distance, can hit big kicks. I get the whole idea of, as a coach, wanting to get a freshman experience, and if he's... G- let's put it this way. If the difference between Evan Price and freshman, who... uh. Uh, Watts? No, it's uh, Cole Becker. Cole Becker. And Watts is the punter. Watts is the punter. Right? Yep. Getting electric for Watts. Cole Becker. Okay, the difference between those two. If it's negligible, not that bad. You're gonna go with the freshman. You're gonna go with the younger kicker who can get better over the course of his career. But what about this thought, though? But hold on. But I think Jared. They're far apart. I think that what we've seen so far, Evan Price is is, is a better
1: kicker. Look, I, I don't. I don't doubt that through the course of of you know, preseason camp and in practices, Cole Becker is neck and neck.
0: I, I actually, I mean, we, we trust the coaching staff, right? They, they were there, we weren't. But it's like, do we have enough now to see but that there's probably, a whole,
1: oh. where I'm going with that is there's a whole different aspect of all the pressure we can throw at you in practice, that doesn't get in the guy's head. He knows you're trying to do that. The pressure doesn't come from the noise. The pressure comes from the moment. Right. Being in that moment, knowing you have a 50-yard kick, your first kick as a collegiate kicker to, to make a play. That was last week. This week, I, I don't have the exact distance, but it was a 40-something-yard what, what, what kick. What was it against UNC? Do you, it, you remember that it one? It was 53. 53. And, 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 and that went off the the Crossbar, crossbar. yeah. Yep. And then the, the one this week was was over forty. I, I'm looking at ESPN.com here. They just have it but at still, in the forties. Look. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. And and that's why my thought is you have an asset, you know what you have, uh, an Evan Price. Let him be your kicker to start the season. You can you can use Cole Becker as your kickoff specialist, get him a little bit at, you know, some some game feel, get that environment. If he continues to prove that you can make that transition. You can always make that switch as you're going. It's so much easier in. to make that. And of now, going and yes, you pull him out now and, and it's, it's like a pitcher, you know, it's like a goalie. It's, it starts to get in your head. But I don't
0: get that either. I mean, Carl Durrell this year has been rather consistent saying they're going to put the best guys out there who give him a shot. I, I saw in play calling both this game and last game a more conservative approach, which is what you want to do against AM. Don't give him too much to work with. But, it's just funny that there's been conservative conservative let's let's work within our means try and develop these wins and then this seems like a very non-conservative move you know the kicker this is very high risk high reward and so it just doesn't seem to fit what we're seeing this year i would have loved to see price out there and also let's be clear it's so much easier to to talk hindsight you know we have the answer it's easy to fill in the question and say this coaching staff but it's it, it, it was a big difference i mean that was the difference last game between potentially overtime and not so i know he's a freshman you gotta you know maybe CU see has to do more to win it doesn't always come down to the kicker but from what i've seen so far i didn't want to necessarily just start there and, and going on the kicker but i think that needs to change and i want to see a change
2: do you expect it to change no i don't i don't th- i don't expect it let me give you a quick hypothetical if uh CU's able to uh, get in field goal range there at the end of the game do you think they give uh uh becker the shot or do they go with price oh god i
1: mean i think they probably go becker i see i, I see I, I think i think the coaching staff had already lost its confidence in becker because earlier in that game in the first half they're down on the 6 yard line and go for it twice third and fourth down they sneak yeah. And I, I have to think that impacted their decision in that what, moment. When time was that, that
0: in the game, though, though? It was second quarter, I But believe. wasn't it later in the second quarter? Because I felt like there was more to that drive, because I don't have it in front of me, and I, I, maybe I can pull it up real quick. But I felt like there was more to that drive then getting three. It was
1: it, running clock, yeah, look, had look, momentum. I, I I won't argue with you there that I'm okay with the idea of going for it. What yeah, bothers absolutely. me is that you sneak it twice. That's like a that's a that's a play Honestly, that Jared, I, that didn't bother me. Oh see, this is and I don't typically like to call out play calling. I I am no I'm no head coach or, or offense coordinator calling plays, but I, that's a play I make in NCAA fourteen because I'm frustrated, right? And I didn't get it on third down on the sneak, so I'm like, you know what? screw it. I'm going to run it again. I'm going to get it. I, I, I mean, you're going against a team like AM, that's that's a bad matchup. They're, they're a better, bigger, faster team at the line of scrimmage than you are. You right. didn't get it the first time. You weren't going to get it the next time. I, I have to think that impacted their decision so, not to kick it there because they had lost faith in Cole Becker's ability to make a kick.
0: No, I understand where you're coming from, and this is why we have this show. This is why people who love the Buffs debate this. It does yeah. come down to opinion what we think you know is best, but I'm not going to go there. I, I trust the coaching staff. I actually, when we didn't get that second sneak, I turned to the guy who, you know, you kind of make friends with the people around you. Sure. I turned to the guy behind me. I was like, you know what? I don't I don't hate that call. Yeah, so Sid, I, I don't hate that call.
2: I, I agree with you in the fact that I, I don't hate it either. Um, it was just poorly executed. If you go back, I, I rewatched it. And um, unfortunately, that second sneak, uh, Brendan Lewis, just once he gets the snap from center, he stands straight up. Oh, and then goes forward yeah. yeah so it it was just poor execution you know that that's going to happen with young quarterbacks
1: well regardless of of whether you felt like it was the right call or not i think that in my mind was a, a not a turning point in the game, but that was one of those moments where right then and there, I, I, I turned next to it was my brother sitting there with Alex and I said, or, or with Ryan, my brother Alex, uh, <laughs> and I said, That, that, we're gonna look back at that right there. That moment, we're gonna look back at. Well, you're on it the was, six it was a going big moment. in. You could have gone up to 14 at that point, that would have been huge for the bus there. So there was about five minutes left. So this is
0: the scenario I was talking about. Yep. There was about five minutes left in the first half. And CU was on a long drive. As a matter of fact, CU was in the midst of a uh, 12-play, almost 70-yard drive, okay? So they were moving. They were taking time off the clock. It took a lot of time off the clock, almost six minutes. So think about it. CU gets the ball with about 11 minutes on the clock. They go 70 yards. The clock's ticking, five left. Coaching staff's thinking, one more first down, Allows us three more plays, which pretty much gives A&M one and a and two minutes to work with. So the, call the play call, whatever you want. Quarterback sneak. Maybe they should have run something else. The idea in terms of the game theory, I love it. They were trying to milk the clock, keep it out of AM's hands. And keep in mind, the half ended 7-3. You get that. Worst case scenario, the half is ending 10 to maybe 7, 10-3, something like that. And but, they're getting
2: the ball back. Exactly.
0: So I like the call. Game, game situation, game scenario. And after that, uh, A&M had a three and out. Then we had a three and out. Then A&M scored their field goal. And then it was the end of half. So, uh, you know, there could have been some time taken up. Then the second half comes. And, you know, I was having some discussions. I was talking to my mom about this, who's, you know, one of the biggest CU fans I know. And it was, she, she kind of brought up the idea of, was the second half more... A and M making the adjustments? Was it us wearing down? Was it something schematic? What was it? And I think we really saw kind of a similar first half or second half to the first half. I mean, CU still got their yards. They still converted. They didn't score, obviously. But I didn't think CU necessarily looked bad in the second half. I thought everything in, in halftime was good. And I think that's a good sign that this coaching staff, because how often do we see where first half Something weird's going on, right? We saw this with Boise and UCF a couple weeks ago. Something weird's going on. Okay, let's get into halftime. Coaching staff uh, fixes it, and the better coaching staff wins. We've seen that a lot in Boulder in the past, or you know, with CU, where CU comes out, stuns someone, coaching staff gets in, and then in the second half, it's like, wow, Mike McIntyre didn't do anything to change. John Emery didn't do anything to change. Phil and the coach didn't do anything to change. Carl Durrell... Is tweaking enough, coming out in the second half, incorporating enough to where it's a good sign to me this coaching staff is doing the right thing. I'm having more and more faith with Durrell every week that passes. I love what I see on the field. I love what I see as an extension from this coaching staff, and things are very good. But overall, like I said, I don't think they were bad in the second half. Didn't have the great stats, but I don't think they were bad.
1: One thing that stood out to me on the scoring drive that the Buffs had, and, and really any of the drives that they were successful, was Brendan Lewis being utilized as a runner. And now, a lot of that was not necessarily pl- you know, designed runs. It's him scrambling, getting out there and making plays, but that's something they lacked in the second half. And, and I and I I think, again, part of that is just him getting out and making plays on a couple of those drives. He had that, that long 30-yard run. But I think that's something that the Buffs coaching staff needs to do a better job of understanding his skill set. And the best thing that he can do to open up things for him as a passer is to be utilized as a runner. I I get that you don't have a lot of depth behind him. You need to be smart in how you do that. But when you're watching Brendan Lewis out there, that's when he looks most comfortable is running the football. I mean, for sure. Uh, And that's what they... He looked uncomfortable to me in the second half. Yeah, I think so too. And it's not...
0: It's not the most promising thing ever. You know, you want to support him and back him up, but I'm the stats so far are not great. And again, I know AM has a good defense, but 89 passing yards last game, one interception.
1: Yeah, let's do be straight with that. This is the best defense C will play this year. Yeah. I think Oregon is up there. Uh, but this is this is the best defense, the the most talented defense C was gonna play this year.
0: No, for sure. I mean, first game he only threw fifteen passes, ten to fifteen, much better, you know, production, but it's just you, you look around the NCAA. You see these quarterbacks. You see the production, and you just wonder. I mean, I don't know if this formula is going to work all year for the Buffs. Eventually, Brendan Lewis is going to have to throw for two hundred. Like yeah. he's going to have to have a game where Aries now. Now he looked a lot better.
2: He looked so much more comfortable this game. Right. But this can't keep up. I would have liked to see them uh, take take more chances. You know, I think uh, there was only one one deep ball, like one true deep ball thrown to uh, to Arius. Um, and I think that was in the first half. And, and that's why I'm, I, I kind of disagree with you a little bit, Tyler, on, on the coaching adjustments. I felt like they got way more conservative in the second half and almost, almost kind of tried to play not to lose rather than to win and just kind of let the defense, um, you know, keep their heads above water and hopefully they could you know, hit zeros on the scoreboard. Yeah,
0: and maybe that's something that this coaching staff does need to change moving forward. Is maybe put your foot on the accelerator a little more yeah. and try and score. And I think that you're probably right. What happened is they did what I did. It's like, whoa,
2: it's halftime. Yeah, yeah. they're probably what? all in the locker room. Right.
1: Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it's seven three. Sitting you in know? the audience of that game, you know, in in, in the stands, you're. Watching the the tide turn for AM and it was it was getting to that point where, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm, I'm I guess I'm kind of a sick person that I enjoy just like watching a whole <laughs> fan base get crushed. You are, and Jared. you could see it the 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 feeling in their eyes and their faces that it, late yeah. in that fourth quarter, they thought they were going to lose that game, yeah, especially right. that, and uh, and that fumble, yeah, and that fumble happened, and you you really as a CU fan, you was like, oh my god, that was it, that was the play that needed to be made and, and to, to Ryan's point, I think they went three and out right after yep. in that drive. they did nothing with it they did nothing to sustain anything. And what happens Am comes right back down the field and, and finishes what they started on the previous drive. I, I think you're right, Tyler or your mom I think was saying they they got exhausted that defense was on the field a lot. Um and and they were in some high pressure situations and it really just came down to at the end they just couldn't make the play that they needed to. There was there was opportunities and it stings when they when when they just can't make that play. And that is the thing. At
0: the end of the day, you know, I was upset. And I was upset at the situation. I wasn't pissed at the coaching right. staff. I wasn't upset at, at any in particular player. It's just so frustrating as a CU fan to get that close and I mean I start doing the whole, it it, it is, I mean, it even gets to me right now, you know, on Tuesday. It's like, if they would have won that game, we're probably ranked, you know, around 23, you know, 22, 23, 24 with a, a really good shot to win at home with so much momentum, going to Pac-12 play a top-20 team, and I started just... Now it's all moot. Now I'm just... <laughs> now you know, you're just
2: snowballing.
0: And now I'm just making myself crazy going <laughs> this whole what-if situation, but that's where it gets me. It's just like so close.
2: Yeah. You know, and it just doesn't... Well, uh, well, as long-time CU fans, that that particular fumble, you're, you almost felt like, oh my God, things are going to start going our way right, finally. Right. It right. always feels like we're on the on the wrong side of of luck and and i thought that was about to change it and and even in that situation you don't you don't necessarily have to put points on the board all you have to do is take time off the clock clock and and force a and m to be to have to be in a passing situation Mm -hmm. at all times so but that's not what happened and here we are
0: uh, CU, their offensive production, like we said, Brennan Lewis, 13 of 25, 89 yards, uh, no touchdowns, one pick, 3.6 yards per pass. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> just going
1: to have to come up, guys. I mean... Absolutely. Well, and and hey, that's something I called for last week, and, and it's really what you saw from the coaching staff was... Get the ball out of his hands. They did a really good job of that. There's a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage. They didn't run much deep. And I'll say coming away from that, boy, you have to open it up a little bit more. God, it just allows oh, them to tee them off I mean, on you on that. They could tell he was making one read. And, and the thing is, CU is
0: trying to be balanced. I mean, CU ran the ball 35 times, threw it 25. I should say 38. Uh, ran to 38, threw it 25. So I mean it's slightly towards running, but the production's not there. 171 on the ground, 89 through the air. So it's not the best situation. It's not the best scenario ever. Where we're going? Hey, our quarterback looked a lot better, and his stats are 13 to 25 for 89 yards. So that's the only thing I like those short passes. And I mean I don't know. You know that this is the game. You don't wait. It's college football. I know that if you're Alabama, maybe you have a couple things you're waiting because you know you're getting to the SEC championship game. For the buffs, it's like this was the the you know yeah, you but you saw we here. all
1: saw the same you know Brendan Lewis week one that was was overwhelmed with some of what he was seeing against Northern Colorado, and I think it was wise by Darren Cheverini to put him in situations to be successful. He was making one read, he was reading one half of the field, he was not. Getting thrown everything at him because you didn't want to overwhelm him in this moment. You allow him to be an athlete out there playing.
0: Well, and that's why everyone freaking out about play calling on Facebook and Twitter and social media. I think a big part to this is Darren Shaverini is protecting Brendan Lewis. Yes, you know, I mean, and, and there are some who say play calling has been bad for a couple of years, which I probably wouldn't agree with, but uh, I, I think. When you just sit and pick, ch- cherry pick play calling, I don't think that's a very good way to analyze coaching sure. staff, you know, unless you're a really, really knowledgeable, you know, coach or you've played football or something like that. It's like. Or you're on two QB sneaks in a row. <laughs> just Or you're on two QB sneaks in a row. But my point is, look at this, the production that Montez had here. And I mean, you go back and even Lufau. was uh, Shiv calling plays for Cepho? I don't believe so. I don't think so. he was either. He, but yeah. since Cheverini's taken over, you know, it's not like the production has been bad. This team has moved the ball, well, and they've looked and creative they look at what
1: Chivarini's done as an offensive coordinator. And again, it's it's really easy when your team scores seven points, essentially has one really effective drive. It's easy to sit here and say how terrible this coach is, right? But when you look at him as a whole, you go from a guy like Steven Montez, where that was a, an explosive offense that put up a lot of, productive big numbers and then you go to a guy like sam Noyer, who was never going to be an elite passer right you know he was always kind of more of that uh leadership uh you know role guy in there and now you have a different guy in Brendan Lewis who is is a runner and a passer. So to, to mold your offense around different quarterbacks, I mean, it, it speaks to what Chevrini can do as an offensive coordinator. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time for Brendan Lewis to be ready. I think that's probably my takeaway from this game. This defense, first and foremost, is legit. This Buffs defense is legit. I know AM's quarterback went out, but... They absolutely showed up, only allowing 97 rushing yards on 29 carries that's from and A&M. AM put up 300 yards the week before. Yeah. So, I mean, that's big for the Buffs. This defense is legit, and, but Brendan Lewis is going to take some time to get there. And that's exactly what we said last week. So, you needed to <clears throat> run the football
0: and stop the run, and that's what they did. And that was a recipe to keep it close, could have won. So, at least our keys to the game were right on. But you look at the rushing, uh, the Buffs ran the ball 38 times. Uh, Broussard, 12 rushes. Alex Fontenot, 12 rushes, even though Broussard did go out with that injury. And then uh, Brendan Lewis had nine carries. So they're getting him involved. He's in the rush game. And, uh, I mean, he was productive, 76 yards on those nine carries. But you're right, Jared, that's where he's comfortable. And we didn't see very much of uh, anyone else. A shot Clayton, uh, Smith didn't get in there.
1: I'm actually very surprised we didn't see more of a shot Clayton once uh, Broussard went down. It seemed like the Buffs Me were too. kind of struggling – physically to run inside, and in my mind, shot Clayton's the, the best running back to do that. So I was a little surprised we didn't see more him of him in the second half. And Ryan, you said
2: you had uh, had heard that Broussard is, is A-OK. And Yeah, I, I saw today that uh, he did uh, return as a full participant in practice. Okay, so that's good, good. Uh
0: receiving Receiving, uh, Arius had three catches, Brady Russell, big Brady Russell. I think he's going to, I mean, hopefully, he's got some NFL in his future, but if not, I think what he should do is uh, something with beef jerky. I don't know. He should be like the <laughs> spokesman for like a beef jerky company. I look at Brady Russell. I'm like, I'd buy beef you jerky from that guy. He does uh, look like he works on a ranch. Name, <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Name
1: and image, an image likeness. Yeah. You can go there get go.
0: a deal right now, huh? Brady Russell. If I if I sparked a relationship, I'll take my 10% and move on. <laughs>
1: Any sponsors? Any sponsors? Uh,
0: Dimitri Stanley, three receptions. Brendan Rice, two catches. Uh, Chase Penry, one catch. And Jerick Broussard with a catch as well. Uh, Defensively, Nate Landman doing his thing, leading the team in tackles. Did have two tackles for a loss. Christian Gonzalez getting behind the line, two tackles for a loss as well. One sack on the game came from uh, Naeem Rodman, and uh, those are all the major notable things I got here on defense. All right, so anything else you guys want to add before we move on to the Minnesota game coming up uh, this week? Jared, you already good? No, I
2: think we're good. Ryan, yeah, I you good. Think, I think we pretty much covered I think, it. I
1: think we are ready
2: to move on. Yeah, I, I think Warren. so too. Yeah, and actually, a, uh, before we get to, uh, what's that, Ryan? No, I was just going to say it's uh, it's just uh, they need to make sure that they just put this one behind them. You know, it's a good effort. You know, it sucks that they lost, but well, and that's the big uh, thing. Got to move on.
0: That's the big thing that that is, is going to be. I think holding the buffs back, if anything, this week, it's not the talent because we match up well yeah. with Minnesota or with uh, Minnesota, and again, we'll get to that in a minute. But it's. You see over Exactly. You see it all over college football. A team who has a chance for a big upset and comes so painfully close and loses, it's tough to get up for
1: the next week. And so that's gonna be something to watch. If you remember back to our first show we did this season, we talked about what the the biggest game of the year, and I I pegged Minnesota because I felt like Whatever way that game swung. And I agree. If CU wins that game, I'm feeling the same way. The nervous energy going into this week because this is the one that can ruin or salvage whatever came out of that. You have some momentum. You should feel momentum coming out of that game with how well you played and took that team in A&M all the way to the end. They have to come in and prove it again against a good team in Minnesota. Exactly, and you hope that Carl DeRell
0: and the staff can get them ready for that. All right, before we get into the Minnesota game, let's get to uh, this week in CU Buffs history. Uh, Ryan, what do we got uh,
2: this week in Colorado football?
0: Buffalo's history.
2: On September 14th, 2013, a home game against Fresno State is canceled due to record rainfall and subsequent flooding in Boulder. I remember that, the flooding. I remember the floods of
0: 2013.
2: It is just the second game postponed or canceled in school history. Uh, The other one being November 23rd, 1963, a game against Air Force was delayed two weeks due to the assassination of JFK.
0: Wow, and obviously that was... uh, we, we've we got to update this and we, we get all these off of uh, the CU website. They've got a whole Colorado history thing, but they need to update that for COVID because they had some games canceled last year. Yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good call. I didn't even think
0: about that. Yeah, right? I was it's... just
2: trying to forget about that whole year. So. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, we're pretending it doesn't exist. <laughs> but uh, nice job this day in Colorado football history. All right, Minnesota coming to town. Minnesota is one and one just like the CU Buffs. And uh, when I start looking at this team, I see a football team that CU can beat. We match up well with Minnesota. And it's funny because I feel like every team in the country has looked really good one game and then looked really questionable the other game. Yeah. And Minnesota's right in that category. They come out against Ohio State week one, and they took Ohio State to the... Br- I mean, it's fourth quarter. It's a close game. And I'm going, I'm at home watching going, oh boy, week three should yeah. be fun. And then, and then last week, they go out and squeak by Miami of Ohio. <laughs> so... We don't know who Minnesota is. They're probably a team in between what we saw both games, just like the Buffs are a team in between what we saw both games, just like a lot of other teams are what we've seen a combination of so far this season. Minnesota, though, they do a couple things well and they do a couple things or and they struggle in a couple areas. Where Minnesota excels or at least have so far running the football, they're like the buffs. They don't want to throw it too much, they want to keep it on the ground, want to control that clock, and want to run. The only difference is, The Buffs have been a very good run blocking team this year. Minnesota really has been pretty average. I have pulled up here... Uh, pro, you guys have heard of Pro Football Focus, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm not I'm not very familiar with Pro Football so, Focus. F- of course you've heard of well, Pro I, Football I, I Focus. Did, I didn't know. I was about to tell you. <laughs>
0: well, for those who don't know, because you realize you just alienated like 20% of the audience, <laughs> right? <laughs> so for those who don't know, Pro Football Focus is a statistics website for NFL. Well, recently, in the last couple of years, they've developed a college sector. So now they have Pro Football Focus college stats. And so I love to use these. They're very advanced stats. What I love about this is they grade college players with the same kind of uh, metrics they grade pros with. And what I like about that is it doesn't matter. It takes into account what, uh, how tough is your opponent. Should you be dominating them? Like should it? Because obviously Colorado's line is going to grade pretty well against UNC on a flat grading surface. But if you grade it on a curve, now everything's even. So it doesn't matter if you play Ohio State or UNC – you're going to get a good even grade. And what I and, uh, what I see here is Minnesota with a 61.1 run blocking grade. That's good for about 75th in the country. And uh, to compare that to Colorado's run defense, Seahawks' run defense is 19th. We got a top 20 run defense. Wow. And that's just so far with the stats that we've seen. I think Texas A&M, even though we handled them well, kind of dug into that a little bit. Even though 3.3 yards of carry, Seahawks had a good defense. I think that shows how many good defenses, you know, or how many teams have played easy schedules so far, right? right. Like uh, Auburn, they've played Alabama, Tech, Alaba- and I think it was Alabama, yeah, Alabama State and Ak- Akron, and Akron, right? So they're going to have a great defense because of that. But CU, who's played a top five team, still nineteenth against stopping the run. So I think that's the one area where CU has an edge, and one one thing Minnesota wants to do. The, the Golden Gophers want to run the football, and Colorado's not going to let them do that. So that's a good thing. We're going to start off really comfortable where CU wants to be. So that's kind of the first thing here is Minnesota wants to run the football. I don't know if they're going to be
1: able to. Well, and add in the fact that uh, their star running back, Mo Ibrahim, went down week one oh, against right. Ohio yeah. State yeah. and out for the season. Now they do still have a good stable of running backs there, but he, he was the the Big Ten player of the year, offensive player of the year last year. So that's a big loss for them. He put up big numbers in that first uh, week one game. So uh, Trey Potts is the the starter now and has looked really good as well. He's averaging 4.8 yards per carry. So he, he is you know fairly productive there. Uh, that's what they want to do though. That's the type of, of offense they are going to implement. So I think that Plays well, as you mentioned, into CU's defensive game plan because if you can stop that, that makes Minnesota very uncomfortable. Exactly. And like I said, CU matches up well against them. Well,
0: some of our skeptical listeners may be saying, well, hold on. Didn't Ohio State match up well against them? What they do against the Buckeyes? They did run pretty well against the Buckeyes. 50 rush attempts for 203 yards, but Ibrahim had a 56-yard rush and a 35-yard rush. You add those up together, that's 90 yards of the 203. In two carries. So as long as you can stop those big rushing plays from happening, that's what I'm worried about here. It last week it was the big passing plays. Make sure that secondary don't get burned. Christian Gonzalez in the out. This time it's like make sure you you because the buffs I think in the middle are going to be good this game. It's just containing the outsides, not letting them get loose and in in rip off these big runs. That's the only way I think that a rushing attack is going to kind of get to the buffs defense. Uh, in terms of their passing game, nothing really great so far, and I mean that's probably what they're saying on a podcast in Minnesota somewhere about the Buffs offense, <laughs> yeah. right? Gopher Nation, exactly. <laughs> right? but it, it's it's just how it's been. I mean, their quarterback Tanner Morgan, uh, twenty-two of forty-two, three seventeen, three hundred seventeen yards. You know, three touchdowns, no picks. He's only been sacked three times, so that's the thing too. Is huh. he he hasn't been been uncomfortable a lot, and that is you know if, if Minnesota does. Get put in a position where they have to throw, which I think will happen. Hopefully, Carson Wells and company can pin their ears back and kind of yeah, can get
2: home. Yeah, that's something pressure. I noticed against A and M. We didn't get great pressure on the quarterback. No. I mean, looking at the A and M offensive line, I say probably the smallest guy is about three twenty. I mean, they are absolute monsters. So yeah, getting the pressure. um, uh, against Tanner Morgan is gonna be is gonna be huge. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick what does uh, what do the CU uh, defensive backfield grade out at on pro football?
0: Let me pull it up here in a second. I'll, I'll wait for uh, uh, Jared to talk about the passing in, in our defense matchup, and then let me pull it up. It'll take a minute or two. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, and and you, you want lo- me to look up CU's offensive line? Sure. Uh, is that what you asked? No for? DBs. No uh, DBs. Oh sorry. CU's DBs. Okay, cool. I'll do that. Um, so when Tanner Morgan drops back, when they do throw the ball, I mean. I actually think that even though CU's pass defense isn't necessarily our strength, I think this is a good opportunity for our secondary to show that they can kind of play above where a lot of people have them right now. So, um, Ryan, I'll pull those up, but I think it's going to be a good day for the Buffs.
1: When you look at Tanner Morgan, you know, similar to Brandon Lewis, uh, not a lot of attempts on the year, only 42 attempts through two weeks. So... I, I, I really think that it's it's such a cut-and-dry way you, you, you shut him down. He's not a guy that is going to push the field a lot. He's right. only averaging 7.5 uh, yards per uh, attempt. So, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, actually has quite a bit of experience, has put up some big numbers in the past. Yep. Um, but, you know, I'm going to take my chances with him beating me in the passing game.
0: All right, so here I have pulled up uh, CU's defensive backs – Not too bad. So, here, I'm going to actually filter between all teams. So, just between Minnesota and Colorado, uh, Minnesota does have the two highest-graded defensive backs. Their safety, uh, Tyler Newbin, is an 80, which is pretty good in the country. I'll pull it up here in a sec. And then, uh, actually, their edge defender they have in here, uh, I guess that's on, like, screen. So, here, let me get that position out of here. We'll just go cornerbacks, safeties. So no, based on quarterbacks and safeties, Tyler Newbin of Minnesota is the highest graded, and then CU has the next four. Tre- uh wow. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Makai Blackman, Christian Gonzalez, uh, Mark Perry—they're all grading very well right now. Cool. So yeah, um, that's a good sign. And let's see, Christian here. I mean, this is the one that kind of you know, Christian Gonzalez—is uh, he the youngest on the on the of the DBs right
1: now? Uh, at least of the starters, yeah, certainly. He's, yeah, I mean, he's it, the only one that's a freshman, I believe. And, and
0: remember, the one thing that kind of impressed us from what we saw last year, at least me, was his tackling. You know, he's not afraid to get in there and tackle. And, he, I mean, he grades well for tackling. He's, he's improving here. In terms of pass defense, he's 25th in the country right now.
2: Yeah. So he's good. So I mean, for all Buffs fans, um, he's definitely going to be playing on Sundays. You know? Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. But yeah. either way, uh, that CU secondary is grading up pretty well. So when you kind of boil it down, when Minnesota has the ball – I just think they're not going to have many options, okay? They're not going to be able to run the football. CU's going to stifle that. And when you become one-dimensional, by definition, it's tough to do anything. Now, obviously, they can heave up some Hail Marys and come down with some some lucky passes. But overall, through the course of four quarters, I think that CU does have a way, at least defensively, to stop Minnesota. Now, let's talk about Minnesota's defense and what they do well. Because Minnesota... They're actually pretty multiple, okay? Against Ohio State, they did have a tough time stopping the run, but that's Ohio State. Now, CU, I think, should start there, look to run the football, establish that ground game, because Brendan Lewis is going to excel when the running game is doing very well, and when he's a part of it, because when you get him outside the pocket, you get Bruce Sard working, you get these other guys working, that's when things open up downfield and, and make it easier for Brendan Lewis to do his job. So if we do... Ask for him to go downfield and make some of those you know bigger passes. It starts with the running game. It actually starts up front. Well, and you
1: said it, Tyler. Get him out of the pocket. I think he is more comfortable outside the pocket, being able to if the play breaks down, if he doesn't see something, he's already in a position to make a play with his feet. When you when you try to force a a guy that's an athlete to stay in the pocket. It's a small space. It's quick reads. There's a a whole different ball game there. So get him out of the pocket. Use those RPOs. Use different scenarios to get him in space and attack the defense. You start running at that line of scrimmage, see if those guys, those linebackers, those safeties, have to respect that because he's a great runner, and then you should have some nice wide open throwing lanes for him.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's nothing that Minnesota does that I think – threatens cu and it's funny because it works both ways but minnesota's defense i would say as a whole there's not really one area where they are great but they're pretty good across the board now we'll say the one or the couple areas where profile focus uh, uh college has them uh, pretty below average is coverage so their entire coverage you know scheme ability to match with receivers um and i also want to put this out there again they keep into account that they play at Ohio State. They understand those receivers are really good, so that that's taken into account. So coverage and... Uh, oh, no, it's just overall... De- so, yeah, coverage and then, I guess, technically uh, rush defense, like I said, but that's the main thing. So they're pretty good everywhere. Coverage slips off a little bit. But I think as long as CU is humming and running the football and opening things up, it should be okay for uh, for this team. So uh, keys to the game. Do you have specific keys? I've got a couple here, Jared.
1: Yeah, and I, I touched on it just a moment ago, and that's uh, you know getting Brendan Lewis out in space, getting him running the ball, utilizing that, to open up the passing game for him. I think that's key. But also, get those running backs going, to Take some of the pressure off of Brendan Lewis. You can't put it all on him right now. I think that... Uh, see, I, I want
0: to see Brendan Lewis throw the football, okay? And I know I just talked about the run game. Now we got to <laughs> get that going. And that is important. And see Success, finding that balance, it-, it works together. And I think that you open things up on the back end by bringing those safeties up and then creating space. However... If they can do that, if the Buffs can open up that space, you got to get Brendan Lewis going. I don't want to go into Pac-12 play and he's got under you know, 250 total yards. This is a really good opportunity against a team. Like I just said, if they struggle one area in defense, it is in coverage. So this is a good opportunity, I think, against a team who may be overrated in their ability to stop the pass. And what I mean by that is no one's walking around saying, oh boy, that Minnesota team can stop the pass. But we have this idea of Minnesota in our minds and they're a good team. They're a Pac 10 or they're, they're a Big 10 team. They're going to compete this year. They're, they're right kind of on CU's level. So I think we have this idea of, you know, don't air it out. Don't do anything, you know, to, to, to risk the win here. But I think this is where you do it. I think Brennan Lewis can have real success here, go downfield. And come on, guys. We saw it last year in the Alamo Bowl. We saw shades of it last week. I've seen it. Look at back at his freaking high school tape. Okay. He can throw the ball. It's not like he's got some wimpy arm. hes I think he's just apprehensive so far. He do not want to make a mistake, and I'm okay with that generally. But I want to see him air it out here. I want to see some vertical. You know, I want to see go downfield. And it's not like we don't have the guys on the outside to do it. Now, there is suspension this week. Levante Chenault, Ryan, uh, you want to bring us up to date with what's going on with him?
2: Uh, yeah, so Levante Chenault has been suspended indefinitely by uh, by Coach Durrell. Um, it did come out uh, in an interview with Durrell um, while he was taking questions from the media. He did say that um, there are there is a way for um, Levante to be back on the team this year, but there are some stipulations that – uh, Chenault needs to uh, adhere to for that to be a possibility. So we won't have Chenault for the foreseeable future, um, but we'll keep our eyes on that and see how it turns out.
0: Obviously, whatever's going on there, we don't want to speculate. We hope he's taking care of everything. Right. And-,
2: and I'll just add, this is the now the third time Coach Durrell has suspended him in Durrell's eight games as the CU head coach.
0: Yeah, it's not good. Not a good look at all. Um, but you know, we don't know too much what's going on. Like I said, we won't speculate. We hope that he's straightening out whatever's going on and he's fixing it, you know, himself or whatever he needs to. And uh, hopefully he's back on the field soon. Because we certainly, while we don't
1: need him, need him, need him.
0: He helps us while develop, he's out we were, we were
1: factoring him when we talked in our preseason special. It was... You know, him and Brendan Rice were the two guys we expected right. to be kind of their breakout stars at wide receiver this year. So yeah. to have one of those guys missing, sure, the next man up, you know, Montana Lamonius Craig has looked good. There's been some other guys been out there looking good as well. Daniel Arias getting a few catches Yeah, last really coming on strong. Um, but man, that 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 stings. He's probably one of your best, if not your best, athlete out there at that wide receiver position.
0: No, exactly. But to to my point of what I was saying before, you don't need him to to go downfield. We have plenty right. of guys Guys on the outside, plenty of guys with speed. I mean, Demetrius Stanley, Daniel Arias, Brendan Rice. You mentioned Montana Lamonius Craig. Like these guys are all capable of having monster games. You know, just pick up pick one. You know, and and he can go off any given get and any any given day. So um, that's what I want to see. I think that could really help the Buffs. And remember, last week my keys were run the ball, stop the run. And I know a lot of people are like, eh, cliche, that's what they all... No, that was part of the game. We saw it play out, and it almost led to yeah, a C.U. Yeah, look, it's what, like, it's what had them in that game. Exactly. Here, it's different. I think Steve's going to get their rushing yards, so that's not key to me. What's key here is that Brendan Lewis finds some success through the air. Defensively, I think it's fine. I, I don't want to... you know, that, That's my job, actually, to say it's fine. It's the coaching staff's job to not. Yeah, so. I want to
1: be careful that we're not just <laughs> glossing right past this one, Tyler. This is a team in Minnesota that two years ago, the last full season they played, they went 11- Two. No, I know. You know, PJ Flex, know. a good coach. Uh, there is uh they have a, a game plan, they have a style that they play, and D- CU's defense needs to show up the way we have seen them show up. And I think that's where a lot of your confidence in this defense comes to play. Here is they have showed up these first two weeks. They've looked really, really good. That same defense needs to lead the way. That's what's gonna need to lead the buffs this season is this defense. That is the strength of their team. And I think it needs to lead the way this weekend as well. Yeah, I mean,
0: and that's why I am confident about the defense is because they have looked good so far. That's what we're going to have to rely on. And I just think that, again, looking at this specific matchup, I'm confident. I think the Buffs do a lot well that where Minnesota struggles, and and I don't foresee this defense giving up too many points. Now, I do wonder, can the Buffs move the ball? Can the Buffs score? We haven't seen a lot of that this season, 34, 35 points against UNC. Not the, you this, know... This is going to be a good litmus test for it. Oh, for sure. No no doubt about it. But, you know, right now I just think that that's why I'm confident in, in their defense and why I'm kind of on that side of the fence with uh, just having that fate. You know, thinking that see, you can go out there. I've been burned before. How many times have I come on here? Oh, <laughs> they're going to be fine. And we're here the next Tuesday going, oh boy, I seem like an idiot now. I just think this matchup... Is, uh, is a good one for the Buffs. So, all right, uh, anything that you guys want to add before we get out of here today? Any notes we missed? Anything? Uh, actually, we'll talk about Clay Helton before we get out of here. But anything with this matchup, with uh, Minnesota coming to town? This game is Saturday. Is it 11 o'clock? 11 o'clock. Saturday, 11 a.m., bright and early, Folsom Field. I did not sign off on that. <laughs>
2: some Field, and uh, yeah, should be fun. Um, I got one thing, uh, and it's not really a key to the game, but something to watch for. Last week uh, versus Texas A&M, uh, half of Zach Calzada's uh, completions were to running backs, so something to keep an eye on for this week. Um, especially, you know, not wanting whether, whether they were designed to go to the running backs or they were downs, swing passes, whatever it may be. Um, watch out for. Minnesota trying to um, get though get those running backs in open space so some, because, some, well, something to look it, for.
1: If I'm like correct that. the uh, play that won the game was to a running back.
2: Yeah, Jared, in we're New trying Angeles. to forget about it. So. <laughs> I,
1: no, <laughs> Thanks, I, I think it, I think it bears mentioning because yeah, for sure. it, it was a running back not only was it a running back but he was being guarded by a defensive end which you know oftentimes it, you you run into those situations yeah. when you have blitzes when you when you try to attack the, the quarterback you're going to end up with a mismatch and it was it was well read by by m and they made the play. But certainly something that Minnesota will be looking at, especially being that the strength of their team, even without Mo Ibrahim, is their running backs.
0: Strength of both these teams. All right, so before we get off this, last point for this game is looking right now at the overall team rushing grade. So this boils everything down to one number. And uh, I'm not going to give you the number because that's tough to conceptualize. I'll give you the rank. CU is ranked 11th in the country in their total rushing game. Let's look up. Uh,
1: See, I think that's fairly fitting. I mean, they looked really good Minnesota. against a bad UNC, and and looked okay against a very very good Anna. But again, Jared, it's not just how you look.
0: It's it's a lot of advanced stats that take this into account. So CU number eleven, everything taken into account, Minnesota eighty fourth. Okay, really? so both teams do this very well. One team apparently does it better than the other. So uh, score predictions. I'm gonna take the Buffs. 31 20 okay put some points on the board exactly huh? i think we get points but i think that even though i think the key to the game is brendan lewis airing it out and getting confidence going down field i think a lot of that probably comes on the ground you know some some long rushes and uh let's let's put some points up let's go into into pac-12
1: play confident 31 20 i got a little bit closer than that i think it's going to be a tight game that the buffs uh they win with a, a big kick from our, our buddy Cole Becker. Late oh, I love fourth. it. Okay. I love the positivity. Uh, I'm going to take them
2: 24-21 in this game. All right. Ryan, uh, what do you got? I'll take them 21-17.
0: All right. Love it. Love it. Love it. Let's go Buffaloes. Saturday, 11 o'clock a.m. Folsom Field. Ralphie's running again. Let's go a little Ralphie. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Clay Helton fired. You, you're fired. <laughs> you're terminated. You guys ever watch that one? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. He did a version of... The Apprentice. The Apprentice after Donald Trump left. And instead of saying you're fired, he would go, you're terminated.
1: <laughs> How did that not take off? <laughs> All right.
0: But <laughs> uh, Clay Helton terminated from USC. So what does this mean for the Pac-12 South? What does this mean for USC? And who do you guys think they're going to hire next? Um, and I'll start off with the Pac-12 South. I think this is a really kind of good opportunity for the Buffs. I mean, the Pac-12 South yep. is not that deep this year. is looking really good. I'll say that. Arizona State's looking pretty good. I'll say what, Jared?
1: What do you mean this is good for the Buffs? The best thing for the Buffs was to keep Clay Helton at USC. You know, like like I'm like I'm seriously, we're looking at them what four weeks out now, three weeks out. I guess. And I'm like, damn it! Now this is going to be a tough game. Let
0: me let me correct myself. What I meant was this is the best for us this year because I think if Clay Helton stuck around this year, it's still going to be a tougher game than some interim head coach. And because we'll have a couple weeks to work with for this interim head coach and get to know what he wants to do so the ad of usc who's mike bone by the way mike bone goes up to the to this uh what what if he hires dan hawkins oh my god
1: <laughs> i
0: actually I saw he to say something serious ryan gets his look out of his face i'm like what <laughs> so mike bone goes to, the, to this interim coach and says okay you've got 10 games prove yourself we've hired from within a lot and if you don't do well and if we don't hire you You can easily get a coach somewhere else in the country. So this dude, whoever I forget his name, he's their D-backs coach, he's going to be fighting for his job, fighting for his life. We're going to see everything he's got from game one. There's going to be no saving anything. It's going to be all out there, and I trust our coaching staff over the interim coaching staff at USC. Uh, What was the the AD's name again? Mike
1: Bone. Mike Bone. Uh he, he was the idiot at CU. He was already yeah. okay. like ten years ago. Can we, can we talk about ago. though the idea of firing a coach two games in? Like you didn't know Well, here's you what I think know. happened there
0: is Clay Helton did provide some stability during COVID, and he was always been on the hot seat. I mean, it seems like he's been on the hot seat for the last four years. Yeah, he years. should have been hired
1: fired years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's
0: at he, a
2: school like USC, you're all you're always on the hot seat. He's That's just true. been in
0: head coach purgatory, it seems. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just been waiting to get fired. So I think what happened this year is, he? remember, he came out before the season started, and he said, you know, let's not rush to any decisions this year. It's, I think what he was saying in that press conference was directed towards the AD and, and everyone who controls firing him. Because what happened was, they sat down with him said, hey, short leash, don't lose any games you're not supposed to lose, or we're going to move on. And he kind of saw the writing was on the wall. So, you know...
1: And I, they lost the, a bad one this weekend. At the Stanford. Stanford, Stanford yeah. yeah.
0: And it wasn't close, and it was at USC, but... I just don't get why this... Look, this is separate as not a CU fan because you're right, Jared. The best thing for the Buffs would have been keep Clay there. This could be long-term a bad thing because if if USC actually realizes they can get anyone who they want off of a short list, you know, past a short list of coaches, right? Lincoln Riley's not going to leave OU to go to USC. Sure. But past a short list, they can get a lot of coaches they want. So... You know, I from a buffs point of view, let's hope they swing and miss once again and get Clay Helton 2.0 in there. Who do you guys think it's going to be though? I've heard Urban Meyer. I legit heard yeah, Urban Meyer's going me to I don't the think Gags. that's a
1: crazy thing. <laughs> it's not. Like why would you think that that's a crazy idea? I think he wanted that job to begin I don't with. want that though. I don't want I Urb don't I absolutely division. don't. That's no. that's not good for the buffs. No. Urban Meyer is going to dominate in the Pac-12. Yeah, so sure.
2: one one name I saw on Twitter today was uh, former CU buff Eric Bienemy. Um, oh, God. And then one that I came up on my own was uh, he's – I'm not sure if he's the D coordinator for the Washington football team, but uh, played at USC, and that's Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio?
0: Here, here I- – I think any NFL coach, I think a lot of NFL coaches would have success at USC. I think that's what they should do, is go after... I heard someone say Matt Nagy today, and it's funny. Uh, well, Jared didn't give me the response that he was going to. Most <laughs> people, when they hear Matt Nagy, go,
1: Ah, Matt Nagy!
0: But, and I kind of did too when I first heard it. But he's had good stats. Didn't he get to a Super Bowl as maybe OC or... He was with the, Chiefs. Uh, with the he, Chiefs. He he coached under the Chiefs right. under
1: under Andy Reid with the Chiefs. So but I, I just like that, that I style like, of play, I think it it fits more maybe in college and what he's something to that's do. really
0: interesting, okay, is that NIL name name image likeness is changing everything. And there's so many old time coaches who are struggling with it. As a matter of fact, Chris Peterson was brought up of either coming back to Washington or taking over USC. And one of the main reasons I heard he was not an option, he's too old school. He doesn't like this name image likeness, and you're going to have
1: to be comfortable with that to compete in the next era of recruiting. And this is the first, really the first first coaching job that becomes available, but it's the first high-profile coaching job available in the NIL world. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, And that is absolutely something that you can guarantee AS, uh, AS, USC's <laughs> AD will be keeping in mind like that is a huge factor for players moving forward for recruits so you mentioned it he's got the uh they got a long list of guys they can pick urban Meyer's got to be at the top
0: oh god let's hope that's not the case we'll keep everyone up to date on that because obviously it means a lot for the pac-12 south but our focus remains on minnesota let's go buffs get a big win this weekend we'll talk to you guys next week on the buffs nation podcast